How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God, and this is what we're certainly going to be doing this morning. Now, a continuation of our study in the Book of Romans, but simultaneously, this is a refresher. Now, it's interesting, this wasn't planned. Uh... <laughs> I just this is just the way it just came about but uh lately I have had uh numerous individuals uh coming to me that uh, telling me that you can lose your salvation salvation can be taken away it can be recanted you can lose it if you don't do or whatever else and you must maintain so many works based salvationists have been popping up lately uh so uh, it's just interesting how the Lord puts all these things together. So uh, while I'm doing the intro, I would like to ask you folks, please, could you read the previous comments that I typed out? Uh, this is very important for today's study. All you need to do is just read through it while I'm blathering away here. So please make sure you read uh, those things, uh, those points. This is what we're going to be talking about. Today's uh, topic is God does not have stillborns. God does not have stillborns. You cannot lose your salvation. It cannot be taken away. It cannot be recanted. Once saved, always saved, because it's not by works. And we're going to be talking about this and really hammering this one down. Now, there are many differing opinions out there of people who have seemingly biblical arguments, but it's just mostly primarily cherry pickings of scripture. They pull verses and passages out of context. They twist the meaning. They twist the words. They twist the, the passages. They don't pair scripture with scripture. They don't uh, rightly divide the word of truth. They don't read scripture in proper right narrative context. And so with that, they get a lot of perverted doctrines and doctrines of devils, uh, which is that your salvation is dependent on you. Your salvation is dependent on your works. Your salvation is dependent on your righteous works. Your salvation is dependent upon you maintaining the commandments, keeping the, uh, uh, keeping the maintaining of fruit and whatever else. And if you don't strive until the end, then you're not saved. All of that is lies. It's all absolute just heretical lies it's false gospels doctrines of devils that saying that your salvation in in some way shape or form is dependent on you doing maintaining keeping achieving whatever else that is lies that is heresy that's anti-gospel that's anti-bible that's anti-christ of scripture so we want to see, well, what does the Bible actually say on this? Because there's so many out there saying that once saved, always saved is not true. And so many out there saying that eternal security is not true and whatever else. Well, let's see what does the Bible say. Because ultimately, my opinion is irrelevant. What I think is irrelevant. What you think, what you feel is irrelevant. What the Bible flat out says is the only thing that is actually relevant. The only thing that matters. So all else is thrown out the window, and we're just going to see, okay, what does Scripture actually say? We're going to be uh, taking a look at the meanings of things and the different passages, and I got tons and tons and tons and tons of stuff here. 
Uh, so I, I was a couple minutes late this morning because I was just racing, trying to get as much as I could ready for this. So again, uh, continuation of our study of the book of Romans or in chapter 10, chapter 10. And that's one thing I didn't do. I didn't update today's verses. No, we're not in chapter 9. We are in chapter 10. So there you go. So please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens and turn with me to Romans chapter 10. I always love it. I just love it. The way the Lord brings these things about like this. Uh, how it just happens to fall right at this moment. So there we go. All right. So right off the bat, I'm just going to tell you, if you ever hear individuals even implying that your salvation is dependent upon doing, gaining, maintaining, achieving, working, striving, whatever else, they're a false teacher. They don't understand scripture. If you ever hear anyone even implying that your salvation is, is endangered, it can be lost, taken away, or recanted, they're a false teacher. Run away from them. So people uh, bring up, well, you're preaching hyper grace. Well, those are people who just don't understand grace because it, it is all by grace, as the Bible says. For by grace are ye saved through faith, not works. It's a gift of God. We're going to be looking at that. What, is the, what does that mean? And that, and that uh, as I typed out some of these things, well, let's just read through it because this is actually our introduction. And I wanted to type out our introduction to this. All right, so like I said, the title of today's uh, study is God Does Not Have Stillborns. And because of this, salvation is permanent. Salvation is permanent. Once born again, you're saved forever. God does not have stillborns. And salvation is easy. Well, there's a big difference between biblical salvation of easy salvation versus what some people have heard of what's called easy believism, where you just need to generically believe in a Jesus and say an incant incantation prayer. That is that is corrupted uh, uh, believism, according to the word of God, uh, where you need to understand you're a sinner and how you're separated from God. You need to understand what Jesus Christ did for you and who he is. And if you don't believe in who he is according to scripture, well, you're not saved. So there's certain doctrines and things that need to be understood. And that if you don't understand these things, then you're not saved. So salvation is easy, yes. And yes, salvation is by grace through faith, by belief alone and not of works. But if salvation of Jesus Christ has no changing effects, no changing effects on you, and you have no desire to share the message of saving grace, then your salvation is nothing but the excitement of momentary enlightenment and not true salvation of the heart. And we talked about this before, about the difference between salvation and enlightenment. And how long can someone walk under enlightenment? For quite a while. They can be under enlightenment for quite a while. Um, enlightenment is head knowledge. The knowing, the understanding, the light bulb moment, the glimpse through the keyhole, the enlightenment. And this is not salvation. This is just understanding. And now with this knowledge, this understanding, this enlightenment, you then call upon Jesus Christ. But individuals can be under enlightenment thinking they're saved because, well, they know there's a God. They 
know there's Jesus and they understand the gospel and they think they're saved because they know. Well, no, this is different. And, not, and many on that day would be crying, Lord, Lord. So we see that there must be a, a moment where you've made it personal, which is Romans chapter 10. And we're going to be talking about the personal application, the personal application of the gospel. And that it's different than just enlightenment and the knowledge. And you need to act upon it personally. And that individuals can lose enlightenment. They can walk away. That's Hebrews 6, 4 to 6 and Hebrews 10, 26. That's what that's talking about. You can lose enlightenment, not salvation. You cannot lose salvation. Once you're saved, sealed, forgiven, you're saved, sealed, forgiven forever. Now, if salvation can be lost or taken away, going back to the comments here, that if salvation can be lost or taken away, then that denotes right there. If salvation can be lost, taken away, or recanted, then that in and of itself denotes that it that salvation is by works and striving and maintaining to earn your salvation, which in and of itself then contradicts the word of God, vast portions of scripture, and makes God a liar. Because salvation is all of grace by believing alone. If there was one micron of my own works and striving and maintaining involved, if there is just even one micron of myself involved, of my deeds or whatever, then grace itself is an utter lie and God is a liar. You contribute nothing to your salvation other than the sin that made it necessary, as uh, the great preacher Jonathan Edwards says. You bring nothing to the table of your salvation other than the sin that made it necessary. Salvation can never be lost or taken away, as Romans 8 clearly states there. There's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, uh, that neither height nor depth nor principalities or powers any other creature, nothing can separate you. You're held in the hand of the Father, and no man can pluck you out. So any sin, after you're born again saved, any sin or trouble or whatever uh, that, uh, that will bring about chastisement, not disowning, not disowning or casting away. Similarly to the prodigal son, which we'll be discussing. And there's a bunch of other stuff here, but I don't want to get ahead of myself because there's a whole bunch of things I want to discuss. All right, so today's study is about eternal security. Once saved, always saved, according to the word of God, that the once saved, always saved doctrine is absolutely 100% biblical. It's what the Bible teaches, and if you do not believe in once saved, always saved, then you are a works-based salvationist, no matter how you try to argue it, no matter what you say, no matter what you think, no matter how you try to twist the word of God, if you do not believe in once saved, always saved, you're a works-based salvationist, and you are promoting a false gospel. Hands down, flat out, that's what it is, and if you don't like it, then you don't understand the word of God. You obviously clearly do not understand the meaning of grace. You don't understand the meaning of faith. You don't understand the biblical gospel. You don't understand it is finished. You don't understand the atonement of Jesus Christ. You don't understand the blood of Christ. And that you are just a Judaizer who's, who condemns then Paul. Who would you be joining the Judaizers and teaching people they have to maintain strength 
strive, gain, earn, and keep, and it's in their hands, and if they don't do or whatever else, that, that their salvation is dependent on them. It's no different than Catholic gospel of atoning for your own sins in purgatory. It's in the same category of same logic. If you do not believe in eternal security by the word of God, then you're a works-based salvationist. And in this channel, we preach the biblical gospel of the biblical Jesus of salvation by grace through faith, by belief alone, and that if your salvation can be taken away, then it's not by grace. Then you're not saved by grace. Because then it's dependent on you and your salvation is a contract and not a, co not a covenant. And you don't understand the meaning of contract. You don't understand the meaning of covenant. You don't understand the meaning of the biblical gospel. You need to go back and study your Bibles. All right, so with this, quite an intro. Grab your tea, grab your coffee, grab your Bibles, grab your notepads and pens. We're going to be studying the Word of God. Now, there are many folks out there who think that their salvation is upon them. And they, they think that if they don't maintain and strive to work, that they condemn themselves. And as this funny picture, Armenians encouraging each other to maintain their salvation. Come on, Stanley, you're losing you. <laughs> and that's just it. That, that you condemn yourself to hell because you didn't do enough good works. You didn't strive enough. You didn't maintain good enough. You didn't, or you didn't try to keep up your fellowship with Christ enough. And that therefore you're not going to heaven. That your salvation is endangered because you didn't do. Because you didn't keep. You didn't maintain. You're losing you. You're losing you. Which is a bunch of nonsense. But what does the Bible actually teach? Now... As Romans 10 verse 1, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Now these individuals, these works-based salvationists, they have a great zeal for the Lord. That they, that they, that they, that they love God, that they love Jesus, they love scripture, they're very passionate, very zealous but as Paul says, but not according to knowledge, not according to biblical knowledge, that they don't have right, proper biblical knowledge. Look what Paul says here. Paul is addressing works-based salvationists, lordship salvationists, self-atonementists. He, he's addressing the Judaizers and the law keepers and all of them and the commandment keepers, people who believe that they have to work and, and maintain righteous works and law keeping all this, that their salvation is hinged upon them doing or not doing. Paul is addressing them for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness. That it's not enough for these individuals that the righteousness of Jesus Christ is imputed upon them for their salvation. They don't believe that that is sufficient. That they then muddy the waters and they join Jesus on the cross and they bring their own righteousness to the table as a bartering system to bargain for their salvation. Ignorant of God's righteousness, of Christ's righteousness, going to establish their own. Well, I know I'm saved because I do, because I've kept, because I've maintained, because I've atoned, because I keep the commandments, because I've produced fruit. Their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. That they haven't died to self, they haven't let go of themselves, that they have one hand on their on themselves and one hand on Christ. That's not the gospel. It's both hands on Christ, none of me, 
all of him. None of me, all of him. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. That Christ is the end of the law. It were under grace, not law. Read Romans. Romans 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. Read through Romans and you see that as Romans 4 flat out states that, that, it's, it, that, that God imputes righteousness without works. <laughs> flat out says it. These works-based salvationists don't read the Bible. They don't read the Bible. They're so ignorant of the word of God, so ignorant of this. They don't understand Christ's righteousness. They don't understand the imputation of Christ's blood. They don't understand the working of the spirit of Christ. They only understand themselves. They elevate themselves as, as righteousness. They elevate themselves as their own saviors. Because ultimately, they save themselves, not Christ. Because it, their salvation is dependent on them doing, gaining, maintaining, achieving, atoning. Not what Christ has done. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So we see what Christ has done, achieved, and, and, uh, and attained. And it's not of me. I don't save myself. I don't save myself. And if we go over for a, a moment just to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace. Now, what is the meaning of grace? What is the meaning of grace? Grace is the unmerited favor of God. Unmerited. How can people then say, well, if you don't maintain and keep and achieve or whatever else, then and you, you're not saved. That's not grace. That's that that's for by for by self-righteousness are you saved through faith. No. For by grace, unmerited favor of God, that I didn't merit it, I didn't earn it, I didn't gain it, I didn't maintain it, it's not a reward, but he gave it to me anyways because he so loved me. Are you saved through faith, believing trust, and it's not works. Faith is believing trust. Faith is something you can't see, can't touch, can't uh, you can't affect. It's believing trust. And that not of yourselves, not of yourselves. Well, but this passage over here implies that if you don't do... Well, then I guess God is a liar, eh? I guess God's a liar. God is a liar because, well, he said over here, if you don't, if you don't do, you can wither up and be cast into the fire. But over here, he says, no, you're saved by grace. So which is it, God? Which is it? Which is it? Or is there no contradiction? And maybe over here, he's not talking about salvation. Over here, he is. You see, the God of the works-based salvationists it is is confusing he is the author of confusion he's a liar and he, he says words that he doesn't mean he implies grace when it's actually by works so you see we got a huge big problem a huge big big problem the gospel of christ has never needed the gimmicks of man to affect conversion on the soul mark dever the gimmicks of man the things of man the works of man the deeds of our hands. Christ has never needed us, our help in any way, shape, or form for the gospel. Not of works. Not of works. And that not of yourselves. Not of yourselves. How many times does the Lord need to say this until you finally understand it? Not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. A gift. Now God, when he gives a gift, he doesn't renege on the gift. If, you're, if the gift can be taken away, then it's not a gift. It's a reward. If, if salvation can be lost, 
recanted or taken away, then it's not a gift. It's not a gift. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But the, but the works-based salvationists want to boast. And that's where Charles Spurgeon says, I'm so glad salvation is by grace because I don't want to sit around heaven for eternity listening to people brag about how they got there. So we see, as Titus 3.5 also implies, not by works of righteousness, that's religiosity, church traditions, or, or the Christian practices. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, that's his grace. According to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration, renewing of the Holy Ghost. It's a work of the Spirit of God, not our own works. That the Spirit of God comes down, washes us clean, cleanses us by the blood of Christ, and washes away our sins, seals us by mercy, grace, by believing trust. That's what the Bible says. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Then we go over to Galatians 2.16. Galatians. I'm getting warm. Getting worked up. Galatians 2.16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law but by the faith of Jesus Christ. So we see it's not by works, not by righteous works, not by works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. That's what it says. So then how in all that is holy can you then assume and imply that your salvation then is hinged upon you achieving, gaining, and maintaining or whatever else? How can you how can you assume that well well if they're not producing fruit then they're not saved? You are then saying that salvation is dependent upon them. It's dependent upon our hands. But what does the Bible say? Romans 10, 5, For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith, speaking on this wise, say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. How can we bring forth everlasting life? How can we go up and grab a hold of Christ and pull him down? Or how can we go and by our power bring forth everlasting life by raising Christ from the dead? It's not of us. He raised himself from the dead. He raises us from, from the death of sins. He came down. He raised himself. He atoned. He did the work. It is finished. He is the one that establishes everlasting life, and it's not by our hands, our works, our efforts, or, or anything of us. We cannot bring to the table anything of us, because, well, frankly, we have no righteousness of our own. We have no righteousness of our own. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. And then he goes on to explain here. Well, how are we saved then? Verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised it from the dead, thou shalt be saved. What is Paul saying here? How are we saved? The same as it's always been in the Old Testament 
uh, in the time of Christ, in the time of the early church, and on. It, it's always been, has always been, and always will be. Salvation is by grace, through faith, by belief alone. That's what it says, that you're saved when you confess the belief of your heart of, on Jesus Christ and what he did for you. First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to 4, about what Christ did for our salvation. How he was crucified, buried, and risen again, according to the scriptures, for our salvation. We believe on the work of Jesus Christ. We are saved. You're not saved because, well, you went to church and you keep the commandments and you do the law and all the rest. No, that has nothing to do with it. That doesn't affect yourself. It's by grace through faith, by belief, not by works, not by righteous works, not by works of the law. And anyone disagreeing with that is a works-based salvationist and does not understand the gospel of Jesus Christ and is deceived. For if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, which Jesus, Jesus scripture, and shalt believe in thine heart, that's of the heart, not just of the mind. Shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart men believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's right there. You called upon him, you've made it personal. You've made it personal. So it's the understanding is then acted upon where you introduce yourself to Christ and you make it personal and you believe on Jesus Christ of Scripture. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be, may be saved. No, it's not what it says. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, it comes down to then, are all confessions true confessions? Because we see in Matthew chapter 7 here, Matthew chapter 7. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the, into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. What's doing the will? That's John chapter 6, the will of the Father is that you believe upon Jesus Christ. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? We've done, done, done. We, we did, we worked, we achieved, we law kept, and we did the righteous works. Nowhere do they say, have we not believed on the name, that they were depending upon their doing, their working, their achieving, their maintaining, their striving. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. It's working iniquity to, to, think, uh, to think that you're saved by, by doing and achieving and gaining and maintaining. So the Lord, Lord thing is talking about works-based salvationists. If you pay attention to the words and people, the works-based twist this, say, see, do the will. So that's works and that's doing the good works. No, Jesus says, if you love me, it, that it's of the heart. It's not a mandatory thing. It's not a have to, it's a want to. I want to follow the Lord. Why? Because I love him. Why? Because of how he saved me. He saved me by grace and because of his unmerited favor upon me and washing away my sins and saving my soul despite my sins. I want to serve him. So we see in this, uh, as we talked about before, about if there's absolutely no change, no difference, nothing that comes over you, because true biblical confession, a true biblical confession upon the biblical Jesus of the biblical gospel will always bring forth a change. There will always be evidence. But there are many 
false professions, false confessions. We've seen them. We've heard of them. Individuals who say they love Jesus, say they love God, they go to church and there's absolutely no difference. These are individuals that by, by far and large are under enlightenment and not salvation. Because if there's no conviction of sin, then there's no Holy Spirit within us. I think that's J.C. Ryle that said that one. That the Spirit of God that indwells the heart of every believer will convict that one. John 16 verse 8. And will be convicting and drawing and, and working in and, and calling. The Spirit of Christ which is in the heart of every believer. And this individual is held in the hand of the Father. The, the, the Spirit of Christ indwells them, this, the, the washed away their sins, saved their soul, pulled them out of the fire, written their name in the Lamb's Book of Life. They're surrounded by a mountain of angels. You're telling me that an individual in this kind of a state will never have a conviction or change or evidence in them? How is it possible? That an individual who is indwelt by the spirit of the living God, held in the hand of the living God, is being, is being taught and changed and convicted, and is being shown how to pray, shown how to understand scripture, is surrounded by the angels, and in such a state of holiness, uh, of the spirit of God, and all his holiness is surrounding and, and indwelling this individual, they will never produce any form of evidence? Really? How could you assume that? How could you ever imply that? But the workspace salvationist believes that it is possible to be indwelt by the spirit of the living God and have no evidence. It's, that, that is absolutely absurd of the highest order. That's absurdity of the highest order. Saying that an individual could be indwelt by the spirit of the living God and have no change. So therefore, individuals who have believed on the biblical jesus jesus is the christ the mighty god manifested in the flesh who saves by grace through faith but belief alone period that when you believe upon him according to scriptures confessing the belief of your heart upon him you are indwelt sealed saved forgiven ephesians 1 7 saved from your sins by the riches of his grace ephesians 1 13 you are indwelt by the spirit of the living god because you believe the gospel acts 10 43 you're washed clean because you believed upon his name and on and on acts 16 30 31 romans 10 9 to 10 and on and on you're indwelt by the Spirit of the living God, there will be evidence. There will be evidence. But what about backsliders? When did the prodigal son cease to be a son of his father? That can Christians sin? Yes. First John uh, 2, 1. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That that uh, John 16, 8, the spirit, uh, the spirit of God indwelling us, which is the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, will be teaching us all things, will be convicting uh, us of sin and of righteousness and of judgment to come. It will be uh, guiding us and teaching us how to pray, and he'll be uh, instructing us in that which is right and in convicting us of that which is wrong like the prodigal son coming to his senses in the pen in the pig pen that shows conviction right there and he says i have sinned i will return to my father he never ceased to be a son of his father and he got up showed the conviction started coming back and the father ran and embraced him before the son even repented before the son even said anything 
the, the story of the prodigal son is a picture of eternal security. It's a picture of once saved, always saved. It's a picture that shows that there will always be conviction. It may not be visible to others, but that is why you do not judge after the appearance. That's why you judge righteous judgment, that, the, that wisdom is justified of her children, that time will tell. You can't judge a person's salvation because, oh, I don't see evidence. I didn't know you were God. So we see the confession of faith will that in time will show evidence of these things of whether or not it's a true confession of understanding and belief or if the individual is just stating and talking about the enlightenment that they are receiving there's a big difference and sometimes uh, that the lines can be a bit blurry it can be hard to tell are they just stating about their knowledge or are they actually calling upon the lord in a personal confession but you can lose enlightenment, you can you can fall away from enlightenment, you can't fall away and lose your salvation. Because if you could lose your salvation, that denotes that it's by works to keep it, and that's not what the Bible teaches. Let's go over to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Verses 1 to 6. This is, again, a passage that is massively misunderstood by the works-based salvationist. John 15, verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. That the, that the Lord, uh, those that are of the Lord, are chastised, not disowned. Chastised, not disowned. He purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself. So we see that if someone who is born again, truly born again, and dwelt with the Spirit of God, fruit, which, uh, which is not always outward physical public displays, but, uh, but this fruit can be internal conviction and working of the Spirit of God within them. You may not always see the evidence of the fruit because sometimes it is the inward conviction and the working of the Spirit of God within them to convict them of sin and convict them of righteousness, to try to teach them and draw them and speaking to them, working in them. This fruit is internal evidence. It's sometimes it's personal, not public. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. We are washed clean by the word of God, not by works of the hands. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. So when we are walking in fellowship with Christ, walking in love of Christ, there will be displays of fruit. There will be lots of fruit. There will be evidence of this. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. So it's not of myself, that not of my achieving, but it's of Christ working through me. That the fruit is Christ's, not mine. The fruit is Christ's, not mine. I'm the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth fruit. It does not say your salvation abideth because you abide in me. It's talking about fruit. Now who is he talking about? He's talking to those who have believed upon him. Those who are saved. The same bringing forth fruit. Evidence. This is James chapter 2. Faith that works is dead. Which is written to Christians who are already saved. And it's talking about charity and Christian behavior. For the purpose of promotion of the faith. Not maintenance of salvation. Alright. 
the same bring forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. Do! That's 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to them who come and ask you of the hope within you, the meekness and fear. Why are they coming to ask of you? Why are they coming to you? Because they see evidence. So fruit is also for promotion of the faith, for witnessing, for witnessing. All right. I'm the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringing forth much fruit. Why? What purpose? For without me you can do nothing. Now verse 6. If a man abide not in me, and this is where the workspace salvationists uh, start jumping. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men, men, gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. What is this talking about? What uh, This is talking about the physical. This is talking about flesh. This is talking about the outward. Now, uh, abide not in me. Well, now, this is the prodigal son. What happened to the prodigal son when he wandered from his father? He lost everything. He became destitute. And he wound up in the pen of the pigs. That picture is doing that which is even forbidden. He wound up in a horrible, horrible, horrible state. But did he cease to be a son of his father? No. But what happened? Outwardly men gather and they cast in the fire they are burned this is first corinthians chapter 5 verse 5 where paul writes to the church of corinth and he addresses individuals in the church of corinth who are called brethren because they are born again saved and they have fallen into immorality and paul talking about how they need to be disciplined and they need to repent of what they've done they need to get themselves right with the lord or else they'll be delivered unto the devil for the destruction of the flesh in the flesh men will gather they'll be cast in the fire and they are burned then first corinthians 5 5 it will be delivered unto the devil for the destruction of the flesh but their spirit is still saved in the day of the lord jesus that's romans chapter 7 that i know that in my flesh dwelt no good thing my flesh wars against my spirit and i cannot do the things i would and sometimes the flesh can get the better of us if we aren't careful but does that mean you lose your salvation no you lose fellowship blessing protection because the world and uh, uh, other people and circumstances and issues and your own flesh can get the better of you and destroy you and this is where also it talks about in revelation it talks about being struck out of the book of life that is those which are physically alive then there's the lamb's book of life those which are written in which are born again born of spirits you see the physical book of life the spiritual book of life those which are alive can can be their lives can be taken like ananias and sapphira but you can never be struck out of the lamb's book of life those which are born again which are of spirit you see when you do proper right biblical study and you pair scripture with scripture rightly dividing the word of truth you see that nowhere nowhere in the entirety of the word of god does it even even imply you could lose salvation you can lose your physical life you can lose that which is a physical you can't lose the spiritual you can't lose your salvation you can lose blessing protection you could lose uh, health you could lose substance you could lose uh, uh, even your physical life you cannot lose your salvation you cannot lose your salvation so james chapter 5 sorry james john john chapter 15 verses 1 to 6 is talking about fellowship with christ and then it, it talks about uh, stubbornness and rebellion and unrepentance which some christians can fall into for one reason or another apathy uh, uh 
the circumstances, depression, uh, something bad happens, you're getting angry or whatever else, and you and you start start wandering away like the prodigal son. Bad things can happen to you, and you can be cast into physical fire. At trials and tribulations and issues and problems of this world and of the unsaved men and of devils and your life can be taken but your spirit is still saved your spirit is still saved now you go take a look what verse 7 of John 15 says because right on the heels of verse 6 uh, 7 comes after 6 we see in verse 6 if a man abide not in me is cast it'll uh, be gathered by men and cast a fire and burned Verse 7, but if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, then shall ye ask what you will and shall be done unto you. So the passage is talking about blessings. It's talking about answered prayers. It's talking about protection. It's talking about that which is given to the saints. But Psalms 66, 18, uh, that if you are hiding iniquity in your heart, the Lord will not hear your prayers. Uh, uh, and Proverbs, um, and in Proverbs as well, it talks about uh, uh not abiding in the Lord he won't hear you and again this is paired with James 1 6 7 there's so many passages in the Bible that talk about how blessing and protection and fellowship can be lost in all these things and how the Lord won't answer your prayers because of sin in your life but if you but if you fall into that state you're still a child of God and what the Lord will do is he'll chastise you he'll correct you and sometimes this correction can be severe sometimes it can it can be severe where he can even take your life he doesn't disown you but the works-based salvationist says, says that the says that god will just take you strip from you salvation which uh i want to show you some things here i want to change this picture give me one second Once saved, always saves 100% scriptural. Look at all these passages. Nowhere in the word of God does it imply that you could lose salvation. Look at all the passages that talks about how the Lord keeps us and holds us. And it's by grace. It's by faith. It's by belief and not of works, not of righteous works, not by works of the law. Look at this. And then you have these works-based salvation is telling you that eternal security doesn't exist. And if you could lose your, your eternal salvation, eternal redemption, or eternal life, then the Holy Spirit would be forced. Uh, would be so the Holy Spirit would be forfeited to the kingdom of darkness. Christ must renounce His word of never leaving nor forsaking us, and on and on and on as you see the list. There's so many of the promises, the promises of God, which God cannot lie. He cannot break His promise. He says, "I will never leave you nor forsake you." But the works-based salvationist says that he does forsake us. He does leave us. And where God says, and no man can pluck you out of my hand. The works-based salvationist says, no, you're able to pluck yourself out of God's hand. That They contradict the word of God. They, they make God a liar. The Holy Spirit incapable. Christ is incompetent because you have to help him. Sal salvation by grace is an utter lie, even though the Bible says it millions of times. Um, and uh, the Bible says it's not by works. They say it is by works. You see what I'm getting at? Let's go back to Romans 10. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It does not say 
that your salvation is is hinged upon your doing or not doing gaining maintaining keeping or striving doesn't say that it says blessings are dependent upon protections are dependent upon that, that your fellowship is dependent upon your walking and striving and all this not your salvation if you want the lord to work in your life more mightily then here's some things that you should strive for that because why in the world would the lord bless children who are being disobedient if you love me keep my commandments why would you not want to keep his commandments then if you are a true child of god can god have some spoiled rotten brat children yes god can have spoiled rotten brat children so you see salvation here let's go back to, over here to the comments okay and we got down to here and salvation can never be lost or taken away romans chapter 8 which we just did the other day romans chapter 8 there's now therefore no condemnation that we're in christ jesus let's go take a look at this what does it say because the workspace salvationists will say that you see the last bit of the verse implies works because look what it says there's therefore now no condemnation to them which in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. It's saying the same thing as the first part of the verse. It's just rephrasing it. Because we, we are first walking according to flesh, and then we are walking in spirit. We are in flesh. We are in spirit. You're born once. You must be born again. You're born of flesh. You're born of blood. You're born of water. You must be born of spirit. You're not in Christ. You are in Christ. Then which are... which. Uh, uh, there's now therefore now no condemnation then which are in which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit you see this is saying but the workspace salvationist says no 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 see you're in Christ but if you walk in flesh then you're not saved then there is condemnation that's not what that says because that then would be completely contradicting uh i have to go back to this i have to go change this back to this that workspace salvation is contradicting all of these passages john 5 24 john 10 28 john 1 12 13 john 6 44 to 47 oh you can read there's like a hundred passages here or something like that there's tons of them look at them all look at them all I want to I think there's more oh yeah there's more even I didn't size it correctly look there's even more look at this look at them all workspace salvationists those who are saying this that that one saved always saved eternal security is false are contradicting all of these passages all of these what does the Bible say there's no condemnation that we're in Christ Jesus those who believe in Christ are held in the hand of the Father, and no man can pluck you out. That means you cannot pluck yourself out of God's hand either. But the workspace salvationist says, no, you can pry open the fingers of God, and you can pluck yourself out. You can, you can tell the Holy Spirit to leave you. You can nullify the blood of Jesus Christ. You can, you can uh, disable all of the promises of god that are upon you and you can remake yourself into a child of hell condemning yourself back into hell and you can nullify the promise of christ he'll never leave you nor forsake you if christ is saying i'll never leave you nor forsake you then what makes you think he will leave you or forsake you 
because you've done bad things or you're having a troubled time or you've gotten angry, fall into depression and apathy or whatever else. You're telling me that the Lord is going to disown you and he's not going to try to convict you and draw you and woo you back into the right path, that he's not going to try to comfort you and encourage you. He's not going to try to uh, to edify you. He's not going to try to speak to you. He's not going to send other people to you to, to be an edification upon you, to counsel you as well. He's not going to be your counselor. You're telling me he's not going to be as a loving father trying to embrace a son that, uh, or a daughter that is having a troubling time and try to comfort them. That rather he's just going to grab you by the scruff of the neck and boot you into the fires of hell because you haven't done what he said. What kind of father does that? God doesn't do that. But the works-based salvationist Christ is a mean, spiteful father who will just boot you out of his house and kick you to the curb because you didn't do your dishes. That's the that's literally the logic of the works-based salvationist. Who denies salvation by grace through faith but belief alone, saying that you must maintain, you must do, you have to do this, and if you don't do it, you're not saved. Their God is a spiteful, vindictive God who demands who demands salvation uh, is, a, is a reward for your doing works. That you're allowed to be my child as long as you do what you're told. That's what their God is. Their God is saying, I'll save you as long as you do as you're told. If you don't do as you're told, I will not give you salvation. So you live in fear. You live in worry, hoping, hoping that you're saved. You don't even know if you're saved. Oh, have I done enough? Have I achieved enough? Have I, have I earned his will enough? But what does the Bible say? 1 John 5, 13. 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. How can you know that you're saved if your salvation is hinged upon your doing or not doing, achieving, gaining, maintaining, and striving? How can you know when you are actually saved? The works-based salvation, it says, no, you can't know. You can't know. You do not have assurance of salvation. You have no way of knowing. You only know at the end of your life when you close your eyes in death, then you can know. But the Bible says that you can know because you have believed. Because you have believed. The works-based salvationist de denies the gospel of scripture. They strip grace. They deny believing faith. And they make salvation, salvation as the Judaizers. That's what they do. They do not believe what the Bible says about the gospel. See, John 15, 1-6 is paired with 1 Corinthians 5, 5, Psalm 6, 6, 18, Proverbs 28, verse 9, James 1, 6, 7. Nowhere does it relate to losing salvation or having it taken away. It, that rather we see that those who are struggling, those who are in, in disobedience or whatever else, that they will be chastised, that the Lord will work on them, will convict them, will draw them, and all of this. He will not disown you. He will not disown you. Salvation is not by works, not by righteous works, not by deeds of the law, not by sight, but by faith, which is believing trust. Faith is not works. Faith is believing trust through grace alone, by belief alone, by faith alone in the Lord God, Jesus Christ alone, and not in us, not by us, not by our hands, not by our abilities. Titus 3.5, Ephesians 2.8-9, Galatians 2.16, 2 Corinthians 5.7, Romans 1.17, Romans 6.14, Hebrews 10.38, and on and on. We see passages all talking about salvation by grace through faith but belief. By grace through faith by belief. The workspace salvationists also uh, 
in, in such a state completely denies the entirety of the book of Galatians. The works-based salvationist hasn't a clue what the book of Galatians is all about because Paul specifically wrote the entirety of the book of Galatians to the Judaizers who are trying to uh, take away uh, the church of Galatia back into law keeping. It's all about how it's not by works, not by righteous works, not by works of the law, but by believing faith alone. And you want to pair Galatians with Romans 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. And so we see the works-based salvationists, those who believe, believe that, that your works, your deeds, your striving, your gaining, your maintaining affects your salvation, they deny grace, they deny faith, they deny the blood of Christ, they deny the power of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God it keeps you and holds you despite yourself. And then the works-based salvationist in a knee-jerk reaction argument uh, with using a straw man argument says, well, you're just an advocate to just say you can just believe in Jesus and go do whatever you want, go live in sin. Nowhere, nowhere, not once have we ever, ever, ever seen an individual who confesses the Lord God Jesus Christ according to scripture, according to the biblical gospel, just believes in Jesus but lives in sin. That's a straw man, stupid argument that has no power, no water, holds no candle, because that never happens. That's just a made-up straw man argument that they try to use to discredit the biblical gospel. Because they want to be Judaizers, because they want their salvation to be on their hands, because they want to be some kind of religious mystics who earn favor with God. But the Bible says that the favor of God is already given to us by grace, because we have his son, because we have Jesus Christ, our Lord, God, and Savior, we are imputed the favor of the Father because we have his son. Because when the Father looks on us, he sees Jesus Christ, his son, and the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and he doesn't see us. He doesn't see us. That uh, we are dead in sins, we are quickened to life, into eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, by the power of the Spirit and the righteousness of Jesus Christ imputed upon us. The blood of Christ cleanses us, and we are saved because of our belief, not because we did or didn't do a thing. Alright? So when did the prodigal son cease to be a son of his father? And there we see an issue that so many works-based salvationists, just, they can't, they just can't fathom this they can't get this they say well well he stopped being a son of his father when the father said his son was dead no this that is not a salvationary argument that's not a salvationary argument because we see that an individual as in james chapter 2 faith that works is dead but it's not salvationary that's talking about the outward demonstration that the son the prodigal son was showing no fruit or evidence of how he was a part of this family but does does that mean that the son literally ceases to be kin literally ceases to be a blood relative as we are made blood relatives to the family of god by the blood of jesus christ we're adopted the family of abraham by jesus christ did this boy stop being literally blood relative kin related to the father did he ever stop no but we see he wanders away and like as if he wasn't that's what the father's talking about but the son did not stop being a son of his father the father does not disown 
The Father does not disown, but rather we see in our state where Jesus Christ is our advocate, our mediator, intercessor, who advocates, mediates, and intercedes for all of our stupidities, for our wanderings and strayings and sinnings and apathies and everything else that we all do. He's our advocate, mediator, intercessor, and he does not leave us nor forsake us. He will never let us go. I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, my spirit, which will dwell you which will always be with you will teach you all things will convict you in all things will teach you how to pray will instruct you in the word will cause you to remember everything i have told you and this will never end we are sealed unto the day of redemption ephesians 4 30. what's the day of redemption is the day go be with the lord whether in death or the second coming of christ nowhere 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 to the nth degree nowhere from the entirety of the word of god do we see it even remotely implying that salvation could be lost or taken away or recanted nowhere nowhere does it imply that your salvation is is hinged upon your doing or not doing gaining maintaining achieving or atoning or whatever else nowhere the works-based salvationist rewrites the bible they rewrite the cross they change the blood they change faith they change grace they change christ they change righteousness and they make it a completely different gospel that's galatians 1 8 to 9. galatians 1 8 to 9. what does it say but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, what have the apostles preached? The gospel of salvation by grace through faith, but belief alone the Lord God Jesus Christ alone. If anyone preaches any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. That's anathema maranatha, an official consigning to damnation. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed cursed twice it says it twice there that other gospels are accursed of god that they are gospels of hell gospels of hell and we see another argument in acts 16 i could go all day on this don't worry i won't and there's sighs of relief all right acts 16 30 31 we see uh, Paul and Silas being in prison and the earthquake and the doors are open, the shackles are loosed and they're freed and the jailer comes running in with a light and Paul says, do thyself no harm, we're still here. And he came trembling in and fell at the feet of Paul and Silas and brought them out says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, the workspace salvationist has big problem with this. The workspace salvationist has a huge issue here because according to the workspace salvationist, that your salvation is not by belief alone. Salvation is not by grace through faith alone. So they so they don't know what to do with this passage. That they then imply by adding words, adding context. They say, well, well, Paul then took them back to the house and showed them what they have to do to keep their salvation. Doesn't say that, you just added to the scriptures. What 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 did Paul say here. He brought them and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? To be saved. He doesn't say, What must I do to gain salvation? The, to work for salvation. What must I do to and the, the context is present tense. I am saved. That I know I'm saved. That I have assurance of my salvation. What must I do to be saved? 
And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. You are saved. It's present tense. You are saved because you've believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. And you take this to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 15. That whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have eternal life. I guess works-based salvation is say Jesus is a liar. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Because you believed, you cannot perish. That means you cannot be condemned. There is now therefore no condemnation, Romans 8. Whosoever believeth on him should not perish perish but have everlasting life for god sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but the world through him might be saved he that believeth on him is not condemned because yet not but he that believeth not but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of god belief saves you unbelief damns you but if you have believed there is now therefore no condemnation. So then how can you then imply, well, if I just stop believing, then there is condemnation. Well, then Romans chapter 8 is a bunch of lies. Then there is height, depth, power, principalities, and there is something that can separate you from the love of God. But Romans 8 says there isn't. But Jesus says, you can't be plucked out of my hand. So if you have believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God, you're indwelt by the Spirit of God. You're washed clean by the blood of Christ. The righteousness of Christ is imputed upon your name. is written in the Lamb's book of life. And you're sealed by the Spirit of God. You're held in the hand of the Father, the hand of Jesus Christ. No man can pluck you out. There's no condemnation upon you. But if I choose to not believe anymore, all of that is undone. But nowhere in the entirety of the word of God does it even remotely imply that any of that can be undone. All they can do, all they do is cherry pick passages like John 15, 1 to 6 and imply it as a salvationary passage. They take James chapter 2, faith that works is dead, and imply it as salvationary. They take passages that talk about us following Christ and about the consequences of not following Christ, and they imply it as salvationary, but it's not. When you, when you imply that these other passages are salvationary, you are contradicting mass, mass portions of Scripture. And saying all of those passages are lies and are not implying salvation and that grace. And then they, they there's another thing. They redefine the meanings of words. They take grace, which grace, which is the unmerited favor of God, and they make it the merited favor of God. What's well, grace? As long as you do. If but then it's not grace. They don't get that. They don't get that. It, grace ceases to be grace the moment we bring in ourselves and our own works grace ceases to be grace the moment i have to do gain maintain achieve atone or whatever else the moment i have to when it's a have to grace ceases to exist that's why i've always preached and always try to get it across that it's not a have to it's a want to it's not a have to it's a want to why would you not want to? And right there we go back again to conviction. 
where it's it were those under enlightenment let's go to hebrews 6 people saying that you can choose to walk away you could choose to give up salvation but what does it say hebrews 6 4 to 6 it is impossible for those who are once enlightened enlightenment is not salvation enlightenment is head knowledge enlightenment is head knowledge a knowing an understanding it's of the mind the, the knowledge of which is not salvation it's knowledge those who are once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift how do they do this this is the spirit of god is working upon them to convict them and instruct them and show them how they're sinners and what they must do to be saved and is showing them the rewards that the rewards of heaven showing them the treasure of heaven that the house of god showing them eternal life showing them the promises of god and all these things which will be given as a gift which will be given as a gift the tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers holy ghost the gift of god which is eternal life in jesus christ our lord and have tasted of the good word of god because the spirit of god working upon their mind is giving them the understanding of john 3 16 and all the rest showing them and, give, and helping them to see that what, what the scriptures are saying on this and the powers of the world to come if they shall fall away those under the enlightenment fall away if they shall fall away how hard it will be to renew them again to repentance seeing they crucified to themselves the son of god afresh and put him to an open shame it, it, it's speaking of the unsaved not the saved hebrews 6 4 to 6 and 10 26 is talking about the unsaved which are under the enlightenment falling away you can lose enlightenment not salvation let's go to james chapter 2. james chapter 2. now we back up in context see the workspace salvationist is a pathological cherry picker a pathological cherry picker where they they just do away with the context of the passage and they just take a bit of a verse or a word here or part of a verse or, or part of a passage that because because if they twist it enough they can make it seem to imply towards their own personal desired arguments but if we back up who is james talking to he's talking to the christians he's talking to the christian jews he's talking he's talking to believers people who are already born again saved and what is he talking about he's talking about uh, charity and christian behavior for the purpose of promotion of the faith promotion of the faith first peter 3 15 and verse 24 james 2 you see that how that by works a man is justified not by faith only but what is he talking about who's he talking to christians just justifying what justifying what your works in christ your deeds in christ so to justify that the statement when you just when you're telling people well i'm a christian what justifies that statement just your words where's evidence and proof of this to the unsaved for them to see the power of it if you're just saying i'm a christian and you're just blessing individuals but you're not giving the giving them that which is which is needful what does it profit easy to have by works a man is justified not by faith only in context of promotion and proliferation of the faith and and showing and demonstrating the deeds of the powers of christ for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith that works is dead also. This is not salvationary. This is not salvationary. 
This is, again, correlating directly with 1 Peter 3.15 about doing those things to draw people to you so you could witness to them. And what draws people more than demonstrations of actual evidence? Demonstrations of evidence. James 2 is not salvationary. It's not salvationary. It's, it's directly related to and talking about those things which demonstrate the power of the Spirit of Christ within the believer. All right? So, it comes down to, again, if an individual makes a true believing confession of faith upon the biblical gospel, will there be evidence? Yes, 100% of the time. But what about those who make, make seeming confessions? They say they believe, but there's no evidence. But there's no fruit, no evidence ever. They, these ones are stating affirmations of enlightenment and not actual personal confession of faith. There are false confessions, false conversions. That's what Matthew 7 is all about. About many in that day will be crying, Lord, Lord. Because in some way, shape, or form, they've not understood the gospel. They don't understand Jesus Christ. These are, these are ones who uh, believe that they don't need to repent of sins to be saved. They've corrupted the gospel in some way, shape, or form. Or they don't get it. They don't understand it. Or there's something in their life that, that where they're not truly repentant. And they just want the benefits of the faith without actually repenting of their sins. Some, some way they've corrupted it. They don't understand it. As you see by Matthew 7. They're depending on their works, not, not the grace of Jesus Christ. They're depending on their religiosity and not by faith alone. They believe that their water baptism has an effect of it. They believe they don't believe uh, they don't believe that Jesus is the Christ and mighty God. That they, they don't believe that salvation is by grace through faith alone or something else. Somehow, somewhere, they have corrupted it and they're not truly believing according to scripture. But, but I heard them. They say they believe in Jesus. They say they believe in the gospel. Well, then if they if they say that and have been, let's just wait. Let's just wait. Wisdom is justified over children. To jumping to snappy conclusions is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches righteous judgment, which also gives in time. Watch. We'll see. Wisdom is just, justified over children. So maybe they maybe they have, and maybe there's just some issues, some things they're just struggling with that the Spirit of God will convict them and draw them and help them. And in time, you will see. And in time, you will see. But the works-based salvationist jumps to snappy conclusions all the time, like the like the, the crowd of John MacArthur, of the Lordship Salvationists, like Ray Comfort, who's a works-based salvationist, um, these individuals who believe that you, you have to be 100% right and accurate in every aspect of your life to, uh, to get saved in the first place. That's heresy. That's a false gospel. Nowhere do we see any of that. We see belief in the Lord God Jesus Christ according to scripture. And he saves you from the condemnation of your sin. And then the spirit of God will help you to, to learn to learn the difference between what is holy and the profane. And he'll guide you and, and the issues and problems in your life will start to be stripped off. And the spirit of God will guide you. And, you'll be, and, and your walk in Christ will be purified more as you go along. And issues will be resolved. Not It's not everything will be perfect uh, perfect and good right at the moment and that it's a process of sanctification is a process consecration is immediate sanctification is a process
Consecration is salvation. That moment of salvation. Of the washing and cleansing by the Spirit of God. That, that is an, an immediate process. Consecration is immediate. Sanctification it goes in time. But the Lordship Salvationist gets the cart before the horse and they get sanctification before consecration. That's the workspace Salvationist. That, that this becomes a work to earn to gain. Sanctification before consecration. But the Bible teaches consecration, salvation before sanctification. Let's go back to Romans. Now, and how is one born again saved? What must be done? What is required? Well, we see the first step, verse 14, Romans 10, verse 14. Because as we see in verse 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, how are they calling? Why are they calling in the first place? Verse 14. How then shall they call on him whom they have not whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So first, that the gospel of Jesus Christ must be proclaimed. The gospel of Jesus Christ must be proclaimed. And, and let's read verse 14 backwards. So we see the preacher goes out. The evangelist goes out. They, we see the proclaimer goes out and proclaims it. The preacher tells them they hear it those that have heard then believe and because they have believed they are saved you see that read verse 14 backwards so they're saved because they believed upon that which they have heard not because of what they have done but because of what they've heard they heard the gospel of jesus christ let's go to ephesians 1 13. Ephesians 1.13 In whom ye also trusted, that's believing faith, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also after that ye believed, so you heard, you believed, you were sealed the Holy Spirit of promise. The Spirit of God seals those who have believed the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, that's what it says. Nowhere in this is there anything about works. Verse 7, in whom we have redemption, you're redeemed, bought out, changed, saved, made new, in whom we have redemption through his blood, his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Colossians 1.14. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Grace, unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. Let's go to Acts 10.43. Acts 10.43. <clears throat> oh yeah, I have copy. Acts 10.43. To him, Jesus Christ, back up, you see the time with Jesus Christ. To him give all the prophets witness, like Isaiah 53. All the prophets witness that through his name, through what? Our salvation is through what? Our achieving, gaining, maintaining, striving, self-atoning? No. That through his name, the name of Jesus Christ, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That, that through his name, the name above all names, at whose name every knee will bow, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved in the name of Jesus Christ. 
that through his name, whosoever believeth in him, belief alone, by grace through faith, by belief alone, that, that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. When? When they've believed. Because when you believe, you're cleansed, though your sins be as scarlet, they should be washed whiter than snow, though they be red like crimson, they should be washed white like wool. When? When you believe, trusted in the gospel, you're sealed by the spirit of promise. Titus 3, 5, the washing of regeneration, renewing the Holy Ghost that occurs when? When you believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God, that you may know that you're saved because you believed. And this cannot be undone. This cannot be undone. Verse 15, Romans 10, 15. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. There you go. They have not all obeyed the gospel. Let's go back to John chapter 6. The will of the Father. John 6. Okay. John 6 verse 20 29. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that they might work the works of God? This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent. Jesus did not respond. What should we do that might work the works of God? He didn't say, he didn't respond, oh, when you keep the Ten Commandments and you obey all the laws and you do all the things that, that, that we command you to do as works and actions. No. What is the works of God? Believe on Jesus Christ. Verse 39 and 40. And this is the Father's will which has set me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing. I'm going to break this table. I should lose nothing. God does not have stillborns saying that you could lose your salvation or have it taken away or you could recant it. God is losing. And what did the Lord say? I lose nothing. The workspace salvationist makes Jesus a liar and says he loses you. God has a stillborn that, that you were, were a child, but then you died. And you went back into death, back into hell and condemnation. I lose nothing, Jesus says. I lose nothing. I should raise it up again the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone who seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. Everlasting. Everlasting. How is it everlasting if you lose it? The works-based salvationist rewrites the word of God and it changes the definitions of the words and makes everlasting limited and that you could actually lose it. Then it's not everlasting. Now I raise him up again at the last day. How could you lose your salvation? I wish I could just... I wish there was a, one of those workspace salvation in front of me right now so I could just grab him by the shoulders and shake him. How can you lose it? How can you lose it? It drives me nuts. Oh, it is too big. Let's make this smaller. I just found this one really funny. Once saved, always saved. Deniers and works-based salvationists be like, we maintain our salvation, unlike you peasants who believe you're saved forever. <laughs> I always laugh. It's so good. Because it's true. It's this elitist elitist attitude where, where because I'm holier than you are. 
Because, look, I do and keep, I don't do what you do. I'm better than you. Lord, I thank thee that I am not like this publican, because I do this. But the publican would not so much as lift his, his face to have him a beat on his chest and said, Lord, forgive me, a sinner. Who went down to his house justified? What is the Father's will? What shall we do that might work the works of God? Believe on Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Thou shalt be saved. You will be born again because you have believed. Because you have believed. Not because you did. Not because you achieved. Not because you've maintained. Not because you've atoned. Not because you kept the Ten Commandments. You can't keep the Ten Commandments. Because the whole point of the Ten Commandments is because you can't keep them. The point of it is to is to convict you of your sin. To show your need of a Savior. Not It's not something that you can to try to earn to gain or self-atone the works-based salvationist doesn't even understand the point and meaning of the purpose of the law they think they're biblical they think they understand the scriptures they think they they know but what does paul say they're ignorant of god's righteousness and they're trying to achieve their own righteousness they've not all obeyed the gospel what is the gospel believe on the lord jesus christ and thou shalt be saved why what purpose for what reasons because all have separated themselves from god because of their sin their sins have separated them from god there's none good none righteous no not one all are fallen away all have become corrupt and because of this we are dead in our sins condemned to hell children of hell children of the devil enemies of god enemies of all righteousness but he comes down in grace redeems us by the riches of his grace because he enlightens us and shows us our state we see our chains and we call we call upon lord jesus christ save me and he saves you by grace changes you makes you clean washes you clean adopts you into his family by grace through faith are ye saved and that not of yourselves is a gift of god not of works as any man should boast not of righteous works which we have done but by his mercy saved us his mercy because his spirit then then regenerates us regenerates us and washes us clean and it's not by works of the law not by righteous works and not by works it's not by our own hands as you see by romans 4 the righteousness of god is imputed with Without works but the workspace salvation says nuh-uh nuh-uh that it is by works if you don't do or you don't keep or you don't atone if you don't do this or you don't keep yourself from this or if you you struggle with this then god will cast you away or you or you maybe could lose it or maybe you can't lose it but you can recant it you can choose not to believe anymore and then god will cast you out of his hand back into hell do you, do, you, do, do you not see the absolute absurdity? The absolute screaming, raging absurdity of the works-based salvations. Those who deny salvation by grace. Those who mock salvation by grace calling it hyper grace calling them those hyper graces uh, the complete misunderstanding of that it is the hyper grace of god because it is just grace it is all by grace it's all by grace it's all by grace unmerited favor of god it is unmerited by believing faith alone 
You bring nothing to the table for your salvation other than the sin that made it necessary. That's what the Bible says. But then the workspace salvationist but that uh, puts uh, uh, make, makes it makes your salvation hinged upon your deeds. It's enough to drive you mad. They've not obeyed the gospel. And what happens when you don't obey the gospel in the workspace salvation says, see right there, obey. You gotta obey. You gotta obey the commandments of God. It doesn't say obey commandments. It says obey the gospel. And what, what is obeying the gospel? Mark 1.15. Repent and believe the gospel. <laughs> believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't do that, you go to hell. Obey the gospel, the calling of Christ, or God calls all men everywhere to repent, repentance unto salvation. Those who have not obeyed will be crying, Lord, Lord, have we not done, have we not done, have we not done? And he'll say, but I don't know you. Even though you think you know me, you've known a different Jesus. Many false Christs, false preachers, false apostles, deceitful workers, preaching damnable heresies, will go out and deceive the people and believing false Christ, false gospels. The Jesus that needs you to get dunked in water to earn your salvation. A Jesus that needs you to try to manifest spiritual manifestation of something to earn your salvation. A Jesus that needs you to keep the law, keep the commandments, do this, do that, achieve this, gain this, atone this. It needs you to do something in addition. So you need to nail yourself on the cross right next to Jesus because Jesus needs your help to save you. That's the Jesus of Catholicism, a works-based Jesus, an incompetent Jesus that is not the Lord God Jesus of Scripture. The Lord God Jesus doesn't need you. He doesn't need your works. He doesn't need you to help him. He just needs you to believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And adding to that is making it a gospel of hell. Paul simplified. He brought it in and he simplified it down to such a succinct, simple explanation of the entirety of all the whole work of Jesus Christ. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, speaking by the Holy Spirit of God, this Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God, speaks through Paul to that poor jailer. And God says through Paul, Believe on Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's that simple. It is that direct. It's that easy. Because the jailer saw the power. He saw because he he was convicted by, by the pricks of the testimonies of Paul and Silas. He That jailer heard Paul and Silas singing and praising and preaching in the prison. They were beaten and mistreated and locked in the stocks in the depths of the prison. And their voices echoed through the prison, reverberating off the walls. The jailer pricked to the heart by this. And this is why he ran in, because he saw by the power of the manifestation, the works manifested through the proliferation, demonstration of Christ through Paul and Silas, that it shook the prison. And the jailer came in and says, what must I do to be saved? Why else did he come to him? He came because they had sanctified the Lord God in their hearts and they, they demonstrate the power of Christ and that drew the jailer. That's why he called and Paul says, believe in Jesus Christ and the jailer believed in his whole house and they got saved. Not because they did or achieved or gained or maintained or atoned or anything else. 
those who put those who put uh, additional requirements upon the gospel of grace are preaching a gospel of hell it's that simple to be saved to see your sin to see christ to see the cross to see the blood to see the kingdom the glimpse of the uh, the light of the glorious gospel of peace i see i get it and i see my stay i see what i am i see the power the manifestation of the believers oh lord jesus save me it's that simple and all have obeyed not all have obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God is preached, is proclaimed. What saves? Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Not me, not anything of me. I can't save myself. I had a billion, trillion years. I couldn't earn one micron of favor of God. It's by Jesus Christ alone. It's by Him alone. Him alone. His grace alone. His faith alone. By belief in Him alone. I can't believe in me. Believe in yourself is straight from the satanic Bible. Believe in your heart. Trust in your heart. Let your heart be your guide. About feelings. It's all about you. It's about what you can gain. What you maintain. What you keep. That's gospels of hell. Who hath believed our report? What is our report? Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, him crucified, buried, risen again, saves. So the faith cometh by hearing. Faith cometh by hearing. I heard the gospel. I believed it. I'm saved. And hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth. The whole world heard it. And the words ran into the ends of the world. The whole world heard it. Revelation 7, verses 9 and 10. The whole world heard it. But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that, that are no people. And by a foolish nation, I will anger you. But Isaiah is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought, that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel he saith, all day long, I have stretched forth mine hands unto a disobedient gainsaying people. That it goes out and people reject. They won't listen. They won't hear. They they they, they mock the gospel they change it they modify it they're not obeying that which they have been told many false christs will arise many false preachers false teachers damnable heretics devils masquerading as angels of light there are many false gospels out there there's many false doctrines false theologies there are many many things out there of other people who think they're of god but they are not who think they believe but they're not saved there are many who are doing and preaching and teaching but they're not saved because they're not believing in the gospel that is according to scripture what is the gospel according to scripture first corinthians 15 we see we see what it's about <clears throat> moreover brethren i declare unto you the gospel which i preached unto you which also ye have received the ye stand by which also ye are saved if you keep in memory what i preach unto you in the workspace salvation so jump right in there and say see see you got to keep it in your memory if you don't keep it in your memory you're not saved it's not what he's saying it's not what he's saying Ye are saved if you keep in memory what I preached. What did I preach? What did I preach? If you don't believe the gospel that we have preached unto you, do you remember what we preached unto you? But now you're modifying it. You're, you're not keeping, you're not believing 
what we told you. You've changed it. You've changed it. What did we tell you? Unless you have believed in vain. You believed in vain. You're believing a false gospel. Verse 3, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also re which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. This is what he did. And he did it for you, that, it, that you might be saved. Are you, are, you, are you believing, keeping in memory? Do you have the understanding of what we told you? You pair this with Hebrews 6, 4-6. You pair this with Galatians 1, 8 to 9. He's not saying anything about striving to keep or maintain. The workspace salvationist it just has to try to modify salvation into some mystic religion. Mystic religion that by my mysticism, by my, achieve, my achievements of mysticism, keeping and working for spiritual reasons to earn my salvation. But what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Obeying the gospel is believing in Jesus Christ. All else after that is for promotion of faith only. Nothing of our works, nothing of our righteous works, nothing of our religiosities, nothing of our deeds, nothing after believing, nothing, 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 nothing affects your salvation. Because salvation cannot be lost or taken away. But the thing is, were you saved in the first place? Were you saved in the first place? Because those, many times we see those Not all, but many a time we see those that have wandered away recanted the faith. They want nothing to do with it. They go off and live like the devil. And they show no conviction of sin, no conviction of righteousness. There's a very strong, strong possibility. They didn't lose salvation. They lost enlightenment because they never got saved in the first place. Once saved, always saved. But were you saved to begin with? Will true confession always manifest evidence? Yes. But not every confession is a true confession. If you want to take a look at the at the at, at uh, the, the those things that, that demonstrate this. What are the fruits? Are all fruits public? No. Are all fruits outward? No. Is all evidence and manifestations outward and public? No. Don't jump to conclusions, snappy conclusions, condemning individuals because you don't see, you don't hear, you don't feel. That's judging after the appearance. Judge not after the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. So we see, once saved, always saved, is an absolute 100% biblical doctrine. It is what the Bible teaches. Those who deny, once saved, always saved. Those who deny eternal security. Those who deny assurance of salvation. Most often aren't saved themselves. They, they have not kept in, in memory what has been preached unto them. That they've twisted it and corrupted it and changed it. 
and individuals who add to the add to the word of God, change the gospel of Jesus Christ, are showing, demonstrating no conviction of the Spirit of God. Were they saved to begin with? If the, if they if they are able to go and modify and change the gospel, explain to me how an individual who's truly born again could go off and modify the gospel of Jesus Christ and not make the Spirit of God start freaking out inside of you. Do you not think if an individual is truly born again and dwelt by the spirit of the living God isn't going to have have massive conviction about this if they go off and change and modify the very gospel of Jesus Christ? So how could individuals go and do that? The only way they could do that is if they didn't have the spirit of God within them in the first place. You can't lose your salvation. You can lose enlightenment. Not everyone that, that, that crieth, Lord, Lord. Why? Because they're depending on their works and righteous works and deeds of law. They're depending on their abilities. They're not depending on the abilities of Christ alone. You can't lose your salvation. Once saved, always saved. Because the Bible flat out says so. Read it. Stop listening to other sources, other books, and other things. What does the Bible flat out say in and of itself? But then we see one other thing I just want to throw in. I challenge you to prove me wrong. That the devil has done a great work. I'm bringing up false Christ, false teachers, false preachers, false apostles, deceitful workers. They're bringing up different gospels and all of this. He's done great, 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 great works at changing and modifying the gospel that you get as many people as he can to go to hell. But that wasn't enough for him. What he also did is he went and he actually changed the very scriptures by bringing up wicked people to write and create corrupted texts, corrupted Bibles, because I have seen it with my my own eyes uh, many of the modern bible versions modern bible versions have literally rewrote passages of scripture to imply a works based literally rewrite to, to say that you must keep you must strive you must maintain or else you're cast away some new bible versions have literally been rewritten to imply a works-based salvation seriously go look it up go look it up that's a work of the devil but what did god say what did god say if we go back into revelation the last chapter. <clears throat> Revelation twenty two eighteen. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. The scriptures. If any man shall add unto these things. To add to the word of God. God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away to change, modify take away from the words of the book of this prophecy god shall take away his part of the book of life curses of god upon you even losing your life 
out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book uh, uh, condom an official consigning to damnation accursed of god anathema maranatha galatians 1 8 to 9 a curse of god upon you if you go and change the word of god you go change the gospel god will curse you and and uh, you you'll be condemning yourself to hell that's what that means that the promise of salvation will not be given to you because you've hardened yourself against the lord because you've gone and modified and changed and corrupted god's very scriptures which shows a hardening of the heart and a disbelieving of what god already says that is rejection and resisting with the conviction spirit of god that's blasphemy of the holy ghost and you're cursing yourself to hell that's what it says Once saved, always saved. Because it's not by works. Romans 10. So there you go, folks. I hope that this study opens your eyes to the truth. Salvation is by grace. What does grace mean? What does grace mean? And I've said this before multiple times. And I would challenge you. I challenge you, folks. Go look up the biblical meaning of grace. Now look what that then implies in in context, in conjunction with salvation. For by grace... Are you saved through faith? What is faith according to the word of God? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's believing trust, believing faith. It's it's belief of faith of the heart, the belief, the trusting of the heart, in whom he also trusted. What does the Bible say? For by grace, go look up the meaning of grace. Go look up the meaning of faith according to the word of God. Now, because you have believed, these things will follow. Now, people often say, like, for example, Noah wasn't just saved by faith alone. He had to go and build the ark. He built the ark because he believed. Because he believed in the Lord, he trusted in the Lord, he was, he was saved of the Lord because he loved the Lord and he wanted to serve the Lord because he was saved, because he did believe, is why he heeded the Lord's, Lord's direction and he went and built the ark. He, he, was, he was delivered because he believed. The reason he built the ark was because he believed. But you see, the Lordship Salvationist gets the works and sanctification before consecration they make sanctification a part of consecration no you're consecrated saved first and then after this we see the works of the saints the works of christ likeness being manifested see so there you go get it right understand the proper order understand the gospel according to scripture understand the meaning of grace understand the meaning of faith understand the cross the blood the work of christ understand what it is finished means and implies understand what redemption is understand what the word of god is all about what the law is for understand what the commandments are for 
the commandments and the law is not for people to strive to earn to keep but the law and the commandments are for that to to convict you to show you how you are incapable of keeping it and why you need an atoning sacrifice understand the proper order because if you don't get it right you've gotten it wrong and you're cursing yourself are you even saved how do you know you're saved how do you know you're saved because you believed because you believed what the lord god jesus christ by grace through faith to believe alone because i'm a sinner and i need to be saved from my sins repent and believe the gospel the kingdom of heaven is at hand so there you go if you want if you want to, to know any more this video will be added to our playlist that has tons and tons and tons of uh, videos already i think i think this is the 30th video in our playlist once saved always saved we have a playlist dedicated to proving once saved always saved according to scripture this i think this is the 30th video in that playlist proving the biblical doctrine of once saved always saved so go check out those videos if you want more information if you want more discussions more arguments more points more angles on the whole thing so please go check that out this is what the bible teaches and if you do not believe this you're believing in a false gospel all right i'm just gonna say it. if you don't believe this then you've been deceived by a false gospel now here's one other thing can a christian a person who's truly born again truly born again can a christian be deceived by false teachings yes can they be deceived by false doctrines yes for a while the spirit of god isn't going to just leave you there he's going to be convicting you and drawing you and teaching you instructing you to help you get out of that a born-again christian can be deceived can make mistakes can sin can fall into apathy and everything else and whatever else can can be deceived but they're not going to stay in it this is why wisdom is justified of our children so remember that remember that so there you go So our obeying Christ is because we want to, because we love him. I'm winded. Okay, so that was a big one. <laughs> Went a little bit different than I expected. I'm quite winded now. I've lost my voice a bit. Uh, I get very passionate. I get very zealous. Um, uh, people say, well, he's get, he gets angry. He's all like, I'm not angry. If I was angry, you'd know it. Uh, no, I get very passionate and zealous, as you could tell. Um, the old uh, Viking blood comes up, and I get all, all, all passionate about it. That's what it is. So, uh, <laughs> uh, again, the, uh, take a look at what the Bible says. Rewatch this video. Share this video around. I would love to see it, folks. If, if you could uh, take this video and share it with everyone even with christians as a refresher share it everywhere get it out there uh, to remind people what our salvation is about and to and to correct people who are twisted up or gotten it wrong or been led astray and to get it out there share it everywhere this is what the bible teaches this is what it teaches and i've got some arguments in here i got uh, um, tons of scriptures and points and stuff check it all out 
And again, please make sure you read the comments that I typed in at the beginning um, as a, a, a kind of the overview of the whole thing outlined there is a point by point went down through that. Check those out and copy those down. And again, I got some other pictures in here uh, that I also shared on my Facebook. I shared these pictures on my Instagram and a whole bunch of others as well. And so if you follow me on Instagram, I might as well throw it in there. Okay, so there's our, our website, christiancoffeetime.ca. Um, so if you want to follow me on Instagram, I am at 2core2 underscore 1. That's my Instagram. Uh, if you have Instagram, you follow me there as uh, I'm, I'm a 100% grace alone, faith alone, belief alone uh, preacher. Once saved, always saved, eternal security preacher. That's what the Bible says. Uh, 100% I fight that. I, I advocate that. I fight against false doctrines constantly. So I'm always challenging people's assumptions over there. So follow me over there on Instagram. And... Uh, and you'll see all, all my other pictures and a bunch of others that, that I shared here today. Uh, proving once saved, always saved. So there you go. So I hope this is a help and a comfort and encouragement to you. If you appreciate these studies, please give us a like, give us a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe, hit notification bell icon. See so you know when we put up new videos and check out all our other videos. We've got tons and tons of other topics and debates and discussions and studies. As well as the uh, our playlist, once saved, always saved. Please check out that video, uh, uh, those videos in the playlist, Once Saved, Always Saved. Tons of stuff in there that will really help you. Um, I got other playlists as well dedicated to teaching you how to be an evangelist, how to witness the gospel. We got playlists for apologetics. We got playlists and tons of other stuff. So there you go. Check it all out. All right. So with that, I hope this is a help and a comfort and encouragement to you. God bless you, folks. We'll wrap that up there. I think it's sufficient. I'm pretty much just going to start repeating myself. So might as well end it there. Uh, before we do, any, do you have any other comments, questions, issues, insights regarding our study today? Anything on your heart, on your mind? Anything. Please go ahead. Okay. Um, Jacqueline says... The images you have up there, is there a way we could get them? The one with the, the one with the bullets. What one with the bullets? Uh, I'm not sure which one you're referring to. The one, the one I want, I can't read it. Not being, I tried to make it bigger, it got blurred. Um, I'm not sure which one you're referring to. Uh, but uh, again, if you go over to my Instagram, oh, where'd it go? That's not it. That's it. If you go over to my Instagram, um, <clears throat> that I shared, uh, I shared them all and tons of others over there on my Instagram. I also shared a bunch of them on my Facebook. Um, yeah, so if you still can't find them, just message me. Just email me. You can email me directly through our website. Uh, has, there's a direct there. Um, let me just put that back in. ChristianConfeeTime.ca And uh, mis message me, tell me what you're looking for, and I'll, I'll try to get them over to you. 
Um, so yeah, there you go. Is there's any, if there's any other comments, questions, issue, issues, insights, please go ahead, ask away, uh, and I'm happy to help you. If not, we'll wrap this up. So today's study on Romans chapter 10 was also a refresher on the gospel of salvation by grace. And what does that mean? What does that mean? And how God does not have stillborns. God does not have stillborns. We see what scripture says on this. So there you go. Solid argument in this. And I hope this is a help and an encouragement to you. I hope this edifies you. So please take these things that you have learned and apply them to yourself and go share the gospel of Jesus Christ according to scripture and stand for the faith. Fight, fight the good fight. Keep the faith. Equip yourself. Be strong in the spirit. Walk in faith where it's not by sight. We walk by faith where it's not by sight. So what does this mean? So there you go. God bless you, folks. Hope to see you again. Um, yep. Uh, uh, don't don't worry, Jacqueline. Again, just just email me directly right through our website, and uh, and you contact me. Let me know what you're looking for. I'll, I'll try to get them over to you. So there you go, folks. God bless you. God bless all those who love our Lord God Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love His Holy Word. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.